You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink when along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me. He said, I bet you never liked the blues until they won a cup. And so I calmly turned to him and said, hey man, listen up. I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize, but listen. I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. Give me a let's go blues. I know Jackman, Johnson, Eastwood, Backman, Wait, Walt, Hanzoos, Nastrick, Jansen, Boys Young, Jammer King, Salvador, Korea, Brewer Low, Pollock, Finley, Turksania, Buganecki, Jay McKee, McDonald, Mellon, Buchanan, Kavanaugh, Mason, Manny, Stillman, Stemniak, McClement. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in year 52, man. So give me a let's go blues. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Blue Notes, located on the best city on the Mississippi, the best in the Midwest. We got that Stanley Cup power, too sweet to be sour. And if you're still clueless, I'm talking about St. Louis. This is your home for Blues coverage on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am one of your co-hosts, Tom Franklin, joined as always by my partner in crime, the man called Wags. Wags, how you living, bud? Uh, Living well, living well, getting back to uh, a sense of normalcy and honestly i'm just glad that until monday night we're still the defending stanley cup champions so we got a couple more hours we 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 got a couple more hours i i thought maybe we'd be talking about the tampa bay lightning hoisting the cup and pat maroon winning his second cup in a row but we've got to wait until next week before we can uh talk about that here but um you're right in that you know it's been a good week for me too staying healthy uh thanks to our Blue Notes mask, which you can find on teespring.com. Just search for the Blue Notes store there. And uh, we had a chance to give away either this cloth mask that you're seeing right now or one of our lovely uh, neck gaiters, uh, as you can see right here. Um, And we asked you a question on Twitter. It was about uh, Vince Dunn. And our question this week was, let's see here. Uh, our pal Gabriel Foley suggested a long-term Vince Dunn deal, six to eight years, could be $4 million in average annual value. And I asked you if that was a good deal or not. And uh, the results of that uh, poll, if my uh, tweet deck will work correctly, there you go. 53% said yes, they would accept Vince Dunn locked up for six to eight years at $4 million per 16% said too many years, 21% said too much money, and then 10% said we should trade done. So there was 43 votes in that one. And uh, we asked you to like, share, and tag a friend to be entered to win one of our new Blue Note Selkie level COVID mask, if I can turn it the right way there so I can properly sell it. I am, I, you know what? I am failing my prices right model audition right here. This is, this is terrible. Uh, there we go. Blue Notes Gator right there or the mask. And our winner for this week is uh, a man after our own heart wags. His name is 
Kev Bleeds Blue on Twitter at KevDT67. So he has opted for the uh, neck gator uh, version of this, and I'm still failing my prices right all Fuck it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fuck it. Um, Kevin, uh, you, you'll get your uh, gator in the mail. Uh, the estimated delivery date is going to be October 10th to the 15th because Teespring makes these when you order them. So just expect a little bit of time for delivery there. But it's a wonderful gator. You're not getting this one, by the way, because I wear it, you know, to work every day. And I haven't washed it this week. So, you know, you don't want my cooties. So we're not I'm not going to do that to you. you, you mean You're going to get giving away, We're not giving away podcast used uh, material. No, 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 this is this is a this is a one of one, by the way. This is a this is a one of one. I, I mean, I could potentially autograph this someday if we ever get famous. But, uh, you know. I, I'm not counting on that. that that's, I'm, I'm not pledging my retirement on this podcast being a, uh, a spitting chicklet juggernaut. Let's just face that. We're just two guys. We're two Blues fans who love to talk about hockey. And my glasses are fogging up, so i got to take this mask off. There we go. Uh, professional broadcasters here. So oh. so this week, uh, what we're going to do uh, for our giveaway, we're going to give away another mask. Uh, we're not going to do the Gators this time. And the, the, the simple reason is um, I'm poor. I work in radio. I don't make a lot of money. And it actually costs real money to send these out. So, And unfortunately, the gator that I sent out, uh, well, I might have to eat ramen a couple nights this week. So, um, you know, I'm, we're, we're going to do the cloth mask this time, which you just saw me sporting and I just tossed to the side. And uh, we're just going to have you retweet the question when we posted after uh, uh, we go live here, um, it will be our question of the week. And this one is kind of coming on the heels of a trade yesterday in the NHL between the New York Rangers and the Detroit Red Wings. And it kind of got me thinking. And I, I, I'm curious what you think about this as well. Would you give up a first rounder in the future, not the 2020, but in the future, to unload Alex Steen, if that's the cost, if that's what it's going to take to get Alex Steen's 5.75 mil off the books, if you know Petro will resign with St. Louis, if there is a contract in place, dotted, signed, ready to go, but you got to get Steen off the books, would you give up a 2021 or 2022 first round pick? Poll is going up right now on our Twitter page at Blue Notes Pod. Uh, please uh, sh- uh, retweet it, and you will be entered to win a cloth mask. I'll announce the winner uh, next week, uh, right before we go live on Blue Notes on our Twitter and Facebook and YouTube pages. We're diverse here on Blue Notes, but I want to ask you that question, uh, Wags. So yesterday, uh, as we were recording this, by the way, late Saturday night, the Rangers traded. A uh, longtime poison pill contract, Mark Stahl, and a 2021 second round pick to the Detroit Red Wings, who are going nowhere anytime soon, uh, for quote unquote future considerations. Uh, classic future considerations deal. I remember the Blues made a lot of those in the 90s. Um, but that was the cost to get Mark Stahl off the books for New York so they could possibly re sign Tony D'Angelo, their talented defenseman. So, if it caught now, the Blues don't have a second round pick this year or next year. So, and I don't think a third's going to do it for Steen, even though I think he's better than Mark Stahl. Um, but they make about the same amount of money. 
They do have a second in 2021, or 2022 rather, but they also have first in 2021 and 2022. So if you're Doug Armstrong, you know, and you think that the Blues are going to be competing for a cup once again this coming season, do you give up that first rounder to get Steen off the books? Cool. I mean, that's a tough, tough call because, like you said, next year they don't have a second-round pick. They also don't have a fourth or a seventh round next year. That means they only have four picks next year at this point in time. So if you were to give up a 2021 first-round pick, you're essentially going into next year's draft with just three draft picks. And, yes, that means you're going to have Petrangelo long-term. So, you know, what's the harm in that? Uh, oh, man, I'm I'm actually leaning slightly towards – no on this okay um mainly because you, know, you we have to restock the cupboard at some point um you know yes you, you've got you know scotty perunovich coming up and i think that's part of the reason why i'm leaning towards no is because you have a, a good depth of, of defense right now and you still got the justin fault contract on the books as well so are you really going to look there and, and have a six and a half million dollar justin fault contract and then an 8.8 9 million dollar petro contract on there as well and tie up a bunch of money in two defensemen or are you going to essentially let it ride and go with what you got and try to restock the cupboard and I think right now I'm leaning towards no restock the cupboard and kind of just let things go as they go. See, for me, I'm the opposite of mind on that. I, I think if Armstrong believes the blues can compete next year, and I think they can, I think they can absolutely make another cup run next year. I, I don't see a reason why not. I, but I think a lot of that hinges on Petro coming back. Um, they don't need Alex Steen to make a cup run. They need Alex Petrangelo to make a cup run. And we've seen Doug Armstrong in the past. Uh, remember the Ryan Reeves deal where he was able to get a first round pick, you know, kind of out of thin air, you know, out of, out, of, out of ether. He can get those picks back in some way, shape or form. If he trades a late first rounder in 2021, he could get an early to mid second round pick from someone else. And here's the other, here's the other issue. If you bring Petrangelo back, where's the money for Vince Dunn? Do you tell Vince Dunn to take a hike at this point? I know the Rangers have, you know, I, I believe they've, I don't know if they've kicked tires, but there's a lot of interest among Rangers fans in acquiring Vince Dunn. So is that how you recoup those picks, Wags? Do you do you see if, if Petrangelo comes back, does Vince Dunn become trade bait because of reasons like you just mentioned, Scotty Prunovich? Yeah, I totally think that Vince Dunn is expendable if, if Petrangelo comes back. And you also have to remember, too, you've got, the fact that Tarasenko is not going to be with this team for a while as well. So you also have to look at possibly bringing in another top six forward. So, you know, getting done out of here might be the case, even if you don't re-sign Petrangelo as well, because you may be able to go out there and maybe spend some money on, and I know it's sacrilegious to say, but maybe a Taylor Hall. Maybe you yeah. go out there and, and really, you know, put the, the screws down on Hall and say, look, we're going to give you a bunch of money. Come here and be a top six forward and have a chance to win a Stanley Cup. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that can go on. And, and I think Vince Dunn is, is definitely worth a first-round pick, especially if it's a team that's needing it. And that's that's how the Reeves thing came about, was Pittsburgh felt and believed that they needed that enforcer. So they were willing to give up a low first-round pick. The Rangers, yeah, they're probably sitting there going, yeah, we need uh, we need a puck-moving defenseman. We need somebody that can be physical and, and can work on both sides of the ice. And Vince Dunn's that guy. So a mid-first-round pick for him in a trade is probably right in the question. Uh, although now they may have to sit there and think, uh, you know, we had a former puck moving defenseman from St. Louis that didn't pan out with us. 
Now he's on the verge of winning a Stanley Cup. Are we going to take that risk again uh, with Vince Dunn, which I think they would. Uh, so I actually think no matter what with Petrangelo, I think Vince Dunn is, is being ushered out the door not so subtly. Yeah, I, I think that's also a possibility. And and I don't think you can compare Dunn to Shattenkirk like apples and oranges. The situation just did not work out for Shattenkirk at all. I think, you know, he had high expectations because of his contract. And also the Rangers, like in his first year, suddenly took a big shift and, you know, started selling off their assets and going through kind of like a, you know, not a full rebuild, but like a retool, if you will. And they were bad enough to get Capo Caco, you know, a second overall in this past year's draft. So, you know, it just it just didn't work out. Dunn's a young guy that they can nurture. And, hey, they just moved there. Mark Stahl, there's an opening on, you know, left hand on the left-handed side of their defense. So, you know, maybe we might have to get the uh, Broadway boys uh, on here to talk about whether they went done at some point. But uh, we'll uh, cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, by the way, in case you're wondering, I am wearing a red jersey today. I have not betrayed the Blues. This is a Team Canada uh, Alex Petrangelo jersey, number 27, right there. You've uh, I, I used it in a previous uh, video you can find on our YouTube page, uh, which you can find at uh, linktree uh slash blue notes dot ee at the end for link tree and we're gonna get to let's go and get to where things actually stand between alex petrangelo and the st louis blues now as as me and you both know wags armstrong doug armstrong is not a guy that negotiates in the media he plays things very close to the vest that's why a lot of the trades that he has done the past couple of years like the Braden shen deal and the ryan o'reilly deal felt like bolts of lightning out of nowhere and that's because Armstrong does not like to make these things public. This time it's a little different just because it is it is Petrangelo. So according to multiple sources, including The Athletic, the latest offer that the Blues made to Petrangelo is eight years at $8 million per. That's an improvement. But Petro still doesn't know the structure of the deal, whether there'll be a signing bonus, which Armstrong hates, or whether there is going to be a no trade or no movement cause. So, to me, it feels like this situation is really going to. It feels almost like it's either going to be Doug Armstrong's own hubris prevents this deal from happening because you know he doesn't like Petro's agent or he doesn't like signing bonuses. Um, so it's either going to be Doug Armstrong's hubris um, or. Maybe this is just posturing. Maybe this is a, a a game of chicken between these these two sides, between these two, you know, you know, prideful sides. Um, just help me understand the 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 logic behind these negotiations, Wags. I I think it is just a matter of chicken because it's not like this happened the night or two before free agency started, and and they're like, okay, look, we've tried, but it might be best for you to go to free agency. All this came out like last week which was almost a month before free agency opened. So this really is about a game of chicken. These two are going at it. And you can already see that because after they the Blues came out and said, hey, look, it might be best for you to go to free agency. Uh, all of a sudden, a couple days later, a new offer's on the table. So in my mind, it's posturing. I still, I know it's crazy. I still think a deal gets done before he hits free agency. I really, really do. I, I, I'm, you know, I've, I've gone back and forth on this just because of the limited information that we're getting from these negotiations. I still like to think the blues will find a way to keep Petrangelo in a blues uniform. I think there it, it's been even said by Petrangelo himself. There is a desire 
I, I don't know how strong it is, but there is a desire for him to re, you know retire as a St. Louis Blue, and you know he's talked about getting that statue out in front of Scott Trade next to Brett Hall and the the Champions Walk bricks that were actually just laid in the last couple of weeks, by the way. So if you ordered a uh, uh, Champions Walk brick from the uh, St. Louis Blues after the Stanley Cup run, those are laid now. You might have to dodge a couple homeless people to you know check it out, but couple. You've got to, you've, you've, well, you know, I'm being nice here. <laughs> and it depends on the time of day, too. So, um, but regardless, um, you know, I like to think he's going to come back. Now, here's an idea that I didn't think about, and I don't know if you, a lot of Blues fans thought about, maybe you either wags. Uh, Pierre Lebrun of The Athletic explored a sign and trade idea for Alex Petrangelo um, if the bridge is truly burned between uh, him and uh, the Blues, which I don't think it is at this point anyway, but there's still plenty of time before free agency starts. Um, here's one key point here that uh, I think will help the Blues here. And, and it's and, and again, when it comes to like the intricacies of how NHL contracts work, it's, the NHL is kind of becoming more and more like the NBA a little bit where you just don't understand how these contracts work. You actually have to hire like, you know, these accounting math geeks just to you know like for the specific purpose of deciphering how these damn contracts work but here's one aspect of how nhl contracts work in free agency a team can go over the salary cap by 10 percent for the entire offseason starting october 9th and right up to submitting the opening right night roster um which we don't know when opening night's going to be at this point might be december might be january who the hell knows so there's Still some time, either way, to wheel and deal and get cap compliant throughout an offseason that could be three to four months, depending on when opening night is. So that's one aspect I think that would help the Blues in this point is that they could still sign him. They could still sign Petrangelo, go over the cap, and they just have to then solve their Alex Steen issues or their Tyler Bozak issues, whoever the Blues get rid of here. Uh, when we hear from uh, the Hawaii Blues fan here in a little while for his Aloha commentary, he explores a Jaden Schwartz trade, for instance. God forbid that we get to that point. Um, but uh, so another thing that LeBron specifically mentioned is that if, if Petrangelo uh, does explore a sign and trade, uh, Florida, Toronto, Vegas, possible suitors, Funny, you mentioned Vegas. We got the guys from Weekly Nightly coming on here in just a little bit to talk about their interest in uh, Petrangelo and whether they think it's realistic. I'm going to guess, I and I, from what I've heard, not really, but we'll we'll hear from them in just a little bit. And LeBron, also, uh, another point from LeBron's article, if he had to guess, the Blues would ask for a first-round pick uh, in a sign-and-trade type of a deal. I'm not sure there's a team out there willing to pay the price. Would a second-round pick cut it, or given the salary constraints some clubs have, is there a roster player who can entice the Blues? Now, in my opinion, um, I don't think a second-rounder would do it for Petrangelo in such a deal like that. Uh, you're basically saying that Alex Petrangelo is worth what Brian Elliott was a few years ago, and that's just not true. I think it needs to be a first. And look at, look at, the, look at the Justin Falk deal. That was a sign-and-trade. You know, they 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 inked them up to an eight year deal right bam, right then and there, and they still had to give up a former first round pick in Dominic Bach and a fairly valuable defenseman in Joel Edmondson. So what do you think, Wags? Knowing, you know, what LeBron laid out and knowing just how the landscape of the NHL works, do you see a sign and trade being a realistic option here? I, I don't. I really don't, because like you said, no team's gonna be really 
willing to give up that first round pick, especially a team that needs Alex Petrangelo. I mean, I'm looking at Toronto's right now. They've got a first round pick from Pittsburgh this year, uh, and then they've got a first round pick next year and then the following year. Next year in 2021, their second round pick is actually a conditional pick. So they may not even have a second round pick next year or a third round pick. They already don't have that. So I don't see them being able to necessarily offer a top pick for Alex Petrangelo. And then you look at their roster and I don't see anybody on. I mean, people keep saying, oh, oh William Nylander, William, William Nylander. It, it, no, he, he does not at all interest me and we suggested not, Nylander a couple of years a couple weeks ago you know yeah, but that's not it's not realistic I I don't I don't like that anyway uh I just don't think he would be able to come in and, and play that top six spot and still be a defensive replacement in a sense for Alex Petrangelo yeah. uh, and then and then you move over to to Florida because that that's the other team that you know, obviously people are putting out there now now Florida does have first round picks second round picks they've got a pretty much all of their picks for the next couple of years. I just still don't see them letting one of those go because yes, he, uh, Alex Petrangelo would help that defensive core. I mean, you've got Big Aaron Eckblad there, but other than that, you've got Keith Yandel and Antoine, Antoine Strollman are your next two defensemen. Uh, yeah. He would slot in as their top guy easily, but that, they, and, they and still that, need help. Yeah. And Eckblad and Petra would be a good pairing. You oh, know? Yeah. Um, and and I guess if the other question would be if Florida wouldn't be willing to get rid of one of their draft picks and they still consider themselves a bit of a transitional team, does this open up like, you know, God forbid, Justin Huberto? Probably not. But, you know, one can dream, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if they offered you Huberto for Petrangelo straight up, uh, with, that... an eight, with an eight-year deal locked in for Florida? That, mm, that mm. might be intriguing. That would be intriguing. I don't think it happens, but I don't I, think it does either. It's fun to dream. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, if that's the case, then they have uh Barkov and um yeah. Yeah, that's we'll, it. We'll, we'll take Barkov. That's fine. <laughs> we'll do, done, done, done. Deal. Good. Uh Petro, your plane ticket is uh, next flight out. Go. Yep. See you later. Um, bye. Yeah, bye. Thanks for thanks for the memories. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and and invite and Barkov's, you know, we it's it's funny because some people are hearing the name Alexander Barkov, wondering who the hell he is. You know, he's probably the best forward you don't know about. Yes. Just because he plays in Florida. Twenty five you know? years old, he's a center. Uh he's their captain. So that's another reason why Florida's not gonna get rid of him either. He's their captain. And yes, it would be basically trading a captain for a captain. And how many times, if ever, have we <laughs> seen anything like that happen? Oh, exactly, exactly. And I'm sure, you know, if Florida were truly interested in Petrangelo, they would probably send Chris Pronger to, you know, do like a little, hey, you should really come to Florida. I worked here the past few years. It's great. You know, because he was with the Panthers for a long time as a scout, even though I saw him at every Blues game up here. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and the other thing that I think would entice Petro to Florida, I mean, besides the fact they have oodles of cap space, um, is the fact that there's no state income tax in the state of Florida. So he gets to whatever he gets in Florida, he gets to keep a lot more of it than if he went to, say, Toronto. And not only that, but uh, you, you want to talk about polar opposites when it comes to the sports media microscope. Um, you know, we're, we're talking like, um, you know, Hubble Space tele Telescope in uh, in Toronto. And in Florida, we're talking about like a lab, you know, telescope, you know, in, at, at your high school. You know, so that's, you know, maybe... <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe that would be a factor for Petrangelo because I, in 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 dealing with Petrangelo, like in in post media scrums, you know, he handles the media fine, but 
He's a guy that I think sometimes gets a little irritated by the media a little bit, just here in St. Louis, which yeah. I, w- I would consider definitely like a middle point between Toronto and Florida. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, I mean, he's got to deal with it as a captain. He takes the tough questions fine, but it's just like you get the kind of impression from him that like, if he didn't have to deal with it as much, he'd be okay with that. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Maybe I, maybe I got a bad read on him, but regardless, uh, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. Um, and as far as Blue Notes goes, we'll be with you uh, next Monday as well, October 5th. And then after that, our schedule will become a little random. Uh, we are uh, contractually obligated through the uh, next Monday, October 5th. But we will definitely do some offseason and draft podcasts for you as the news comes in. Like Obviously, the Blues are going to be very active this offseason. And uh, we will drop in. It may not be on Mondays. It may be a random day of the week, but we'll drop in and uh, uh, take your comments, take your thoughts, and give us give give us our give you our thoughts and uh, all that fun stuff. So, um, Wags, you got to run out to hockey practice. Yeah, yeah, I got uh, not not necessarily my hockey practice. It's actually my nephew's hockey practice. Uh, uh-huh. Actually, looking at possibly being able to stream their games for them so that their Ooh. you know their parents and stuff are able to watch. Uh, since obviously with social distancing and limited amount of people allowed in, you know, arenas and stuff like that, we're trying to find a way for them to stream. It's the St. Peter's hockey club. So it's a definitely a, an up and coming hockey club here in the area where I live. Uh, so it'd be nice to get out there. Cause, and you might see the Chesterfield Falcons on there and maybe the Afton Americans and, and all that stuff when they play each other. But yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm looking to do. Yeah, the USHL, that's where we first linked up in yeah. uh, Chicago a few months ago. So, uh, And also, a uh, key point here, this is not located in St. Louis County, so there's no issues with playing the games. Not at all. <laughs> no issues, none whatsoever. So um, enjoy that, Wags. Um, right now, we're going to get to our Aloha commentary from the Hawaii Blues fan. Uh, he's uh, got Petro on his mind, and he... Uh, he likens the Petro saga a little bit to an episode of the Brady Bunch, and you'll understand why uh, when uh, he gets going here in just a little bit. After that, we'll pay some bills, and then we'll bring on uh, three guys from the Vegas Weekly Nightly Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, they are Carlo, they are Dave Aikman, and they are Eric Simonis. They have some strong opinions on this idea of Petrangelo going to the Vegas Golden Knights, which is like the leading you know, rumored place where he might go. So we'll hear from them as to whether they think it's realistic or not. And we'll also check in on some of our friend, our favorite former blues, including uh, Mr. Ryan Reeves. So, uh, but right now let's go ahead and play the Aloha commentary. Aloha Blue Notes podcast. I'm Guy, the Hawaii blues fan. And this is my Aloha commentary. Why do I feel like I'm in a Brady Bunch episode? Petro, Petro, Petro. Petro, Petro, Petro. Petro, Petro, Petro. That's right. Petro, Petro, Petro. That's all we've heard since the playoffs ended. And just recently, Pierre Lebron of The Athletic wrote an article where he suggested that there could possibly be a sign and trade for Petrangelo. He didn't say anything was in the works that it could possibly happen. Uh, Just recently, Joel Edmondson was traded from the Carolina Hurricanes to the Montreal Canadiens for, I think, a third-round pick, and he then signed a contract. 
um, with Petrangelo, if that happens, it's not going to be a third round pick or a fourth. It's going to be a first or a second or a first and a second or a second and a third. It's going to be more than just one pick or it's going to be a very, very high pick. Um, that's what I think is going to happen. Uh, you know, it, this is getting old. Um, also, other reports out there now are that it's possible that Jaden Schwartz could be traded to clear up some room. That, I think, would be a mistake. Um, you know, the guys from Blue Notes asked me, how many, what draft picks do I think it would take to pry Schwartz? And, and my answer would be two first, two seconds, and a third. And I know you're looking at me, you're crazy. And I'm like, yeah, because it ain't doesn't make sense. Schwartz is a good player and is doing good for, what he, for, for where he's at. Uh, Steen and Bozak could be on the move. Um, they don't have favorable contracts, but they're also in the last year. And there are teams that may want that leadership and that, that experience. Had we seen in this year's Stanley Cup Finals how experience is paying off dividends. Get to that shortly. Um, you know, one of the best things that I've read about Petrangelo was in either the St. Louis Blues Lounge or St. Louis Blues Nation. And I tried to find the post so I could credit the author. But basically the post said, look, if Petrangelo wanted to stay, why not just sign a deal and stay? And then work on an extension or something later. And you know, that makes a lot of sense. It really does. Sign a couple of year deal and then extend later. Get, get something signed so it's done and over with and it's out of the way. And I got to hand it to the author. It was a great post. I wish I could find it. Sorry. It, it just, it makes sense that way. Right? And I got to tell you, I'm getting tired of hearing this. And we're going to hear this every day until the 8th of October when free agency, or the 9th of October when free agency opens up. The draft is the 5th and 6th. And oh my goodness, could a lot of things happen. A sign and trade could actually happen during that draft. I don't see it, but possible. Um, one last little bit of news. Uh, Vladimir Tarashenko had a surgery. Um, it seems to have gone well. Uh, he'll be reevaluated in February. You know, I, I kind of still don't see him playing until late March or April, maybe even May. Uh, just, you know, you look at all the time you had last time and it still failed. I, I think you play, take it cautious and, and, and see where you're at in the standings, you know. If you're fighting for a playoff spot, then yeah, maybe. But if you're way out front or way at the back, it doesn't make any sense. That's my thought process there. Well, made it kind of quick. But this is Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, host of the Blue Note Fan Report, saying aloha, mahalo, and I'll... Petro, 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 you on the next Blue Note Fan Report and Aloha Commentary. Mahalo! This episode of the Blue Notes podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? You know if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. Have you ever wished she was smoother down there? She probably has too. 
If you're anything like me, and or just not a neurosurgeon with a steady hand, you probably neglect below the belt. Manscaped has us covered. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Whew! One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates growing areas for closer and more precise trimming. That's insane! If you're listening to me speak right now, you're one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product and I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the promo code THPN at manscaped.com. Your balls will Thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping again with promo code THPN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code THPN. The best in men's below-the-belt grooming. I'm Corey Francois. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. What did I just listen to? Oh, f- this game. This game, is, this game is just bullshit now. Oh my gosh. I actually, they actually made me feel uncomfortable. What was it? Panty what? The game has gone to bullshit. Panty melting? Why do we record these during the middle of games? Oh, God. Be sure to listen to Corey and I every Monday. We are your go-to source for the Arizona Coyotes on the Hockey Podcast Network. And that beautiful NHL 94 music means it is time once again for our Blue Notes face-off of the week. And we are facing off with not one, not two, but three members. Couldn't get the fourth one. He's moving. Of the Vegas Weekly Nightly Podcast, one of our newest podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network. We have Carlo, we have Dave Aikman, and we have Eric Simonis. Welcome, boys. How's it going? going hey, guys. Uh, yeah, good. Thanks for, uh, thanks for butchering the name. Oh, I, I I added a bit of a tag there, you know. Yeah. It, so it's just it's just weekly, nightly. So don't do like this professional broadcaster, ha, just did. You know, it's weekly, nightly, wherever you get your podcast from. So I should know I should know better because you're one of the you know I of course I listen to a lot of our hockey podcast network podcasts, but you're one of like just two or three podcasts I actually have on my podcast catcher to like listen to every week. So I should freaking know better. I should know better. I should know better. I kind of feel like you're just saying that. No, but... I they, look. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's We're, the thing. You already got us to the show. You don't have to butter us up. <laughs> I I got you on the show, but 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 I I don't think I've actually explained this properly to Blue Notes fans. So you know, I Vegas is kind of a second team. They're not the second team. There's kind of a mosh of two or three teams there. But I became a Vegas fan. I you know admitted a bit bag and bandwagony. I liked the social media guy. What he was doing before you guys were even a team. And I also, but the real reason I became a Vegas fan was because I worked in South Bend, Indiana, and I shared a room with a dyed-in-the-wool Chicago Blackhawks fan. Uh, so me being a Blues fan, um, I we, 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 long story short, we got tired of picking on each other. And we decided, you know what, we need to find some common ground. And we both were enjoying what Vegas was doing, and also he had ties to Vegas as well, so... 
we agreed. Let's go ahead and cheer for Vegas as as a mutual rooting interest. Um, that, that year one, that team was easy to cheer for. I mean, they, they were going to go out and give you full effort every single game. They were going to be up and down the ice. It wasn't going to be a boring game any night you tuned in. So I can completely understand as a hockey fan seeing that, that first year of Vegas and go, that's yeah, you, a team that I could root for. Yeah, Vegas yeah, one of the fastest teams I've ever seen, too. The way they skated up and down the ice. Yeah. I mean, they just went around people with ease. Yeah, a very fun team to watch and, and easily became a worldwide brand. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was it was amazing seeing how, like, the, you know, internet community kind of rallied around them, you know, especially after the, the shooting happened, you know. And, yeah. you know, the Golden Knights were really big in uh, healing the city, which was, which was, which was great to see. Um, but we, we're going to talk about something else here. We're going to talk about, uh, you see it right above my finger here, Petro. And uh, this week, Elliot Friedman just happened to just randomly drop on, on TV that uh, Vegas might be Alex Petrangelo's preferred destination if he makes it the free agency. I hope not, please, God. <laughs> um, but I, and, and so I wanted to get you guys on to talk about this. And I understand Eric might be the one that's the most outspoken about this idea of Petro in a Vegas Golden Knights uniform. So I'm going to start with you, Eric. Bottom line, should Vegas sign Petro? If they have the opportunity to, absolutely. Now, th- we talked about this uh, on our podcast that will be dropping tomorrow, uh, same to same time for this one. Um, it is absolutely going to be a train wreck the last three or four years of that contract for either team, for St. Louis or for Vegas. Maybe an additional year for St. Louis because they could offer him that eighth year. When he's 36, 37, 38, still making $8 million plus, hey, is that going to be a deal that looks fantastic? No, it's absolutely not. But you're doing it for the first three years for either team, St. Louis or Vegas, and that's for Vegas. They are in a perpetual win-now mode. They have traded first-round picks. They have traded elite prospects that were previous first-round picks to go get players that are win-now. Petter Angelo is that same type of player. He is going to be a top five defenseman for the next three to four years for sure. He's just not going to lose what he is right now. And that is tried and true, a Norris candidate. He's going to log 25 plus minutes a game and just be an absolute beast. He's going to quarterback your power play. He would be fantastic in Vegas because Vegas right now lacks that right shot defenseman. Their top two right side defensemen are Nate Schmidt, and Shea Theodore, both are left-shot defensemen. So neither of them are true right-shot defensemen. So Peter Angelo makes perfect sense for Vegas. Like I said, it's what can go out, and I think that's kind of what you have to start looking at is what Vegas would have to ship out to accommodate $8 million because right now they have less than $5 million to work with under the cap. By the way, we're even on the name butchering. Uh, it's Petrangelo. Yeah, it, it is Angelo, just Petrangelo. Petrangelo. You and I, I think Pierre Maguire still calls him Peter Angelo, and I and I think it's because his uncle Frank Peter Angelo, the, the the goalie, was that's how he said it. It's it's weird. Uh, Dave, yeah, what, Dave, what well, do you think? Well, first off, anytime I hear Pierre Maguire, I just want to say shut up, Pierre. But you know that's just something different. It, it's, there. it's natural. It's natural. Yeah, it's like, shut up, Pierre. Uh, what do I think? I will absolutely love to have him. That uh, defenseman that can push offense push the flow going and get it down to the other end that power our uh, power play quarterback which you know as we watched this year's playoffs we really only had one true power play quarterback and that would be you know Shea Theater we needed another one on the second one because Shea was playing almost the entire power play and 
eventually that's going to wear him down, even though he's only 24 years old. But to have someone like that, uh, that offense pusher would just be outstanding. But like Eric was saying earlier, it's just who can we move out? Because, yeah, we, we have a goalie signed, but it may not be the one that we end up with. Uh, the reports out there with Leonard being uh, at $5 million for five years. Well, we only have $6 million in cap space, so we got to get rid of somebody. And then it depends on what kind of deals we can make with those other teams as well, too, just, just to get the right fit. But I would absolutely love to have him. And, and, that, leads me, and that leads me to my next question here. As we have an echo somewhere, there we go. Needs me to my next question. I'll give this one to Carlo. Uh, should Vegas sign Petro, and who moves if Petro is signed? Uh, I I do love that you gave me gave me this question because uh, I love to play devil's advocate between these guys sometimes because sometimes we always just agree. So I just I'm, I like to play devil's advocate, and that question is: Should we sign it? Should, should we sign him? I say no because this. To Eric's point that uh, we do this, this organization does have the tendency to get that big name uh, player like Mark Stone, like Pacioretty, all that when they had the chance. But they also draw a line on the sand to say like that's too much price we have to pay. Uh, at, we're not gonna go in. It, 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 perfect example was the Eric Carlson deal when we had the chance to get Eric Carlson a few years ago. They wanted glass. They, the organization said no, so the San Jose got him instead. What I, how I see this situation right now is we can't sign Petriangelo unless we move a few people out. Guys, like if 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 you sign Petriangelo, you can't keep both Flurry or Leonard. That's impossible. You cannot do that. Uh, if you want to sign Petriangelo, you have to move at least Flurry, if because we're gonna keep Leonard. I, I think we are gonna keep Leonard, and then you have to either move an, uh, a forward, either Marcheseau, Stasny. Uh, Smith, Pacioretty, maybe one of those big contracts. Stone's not going to move. Tuck's probably not going to move. Carlson's probably not going to move. Uh, and then at least another defenseman. Either it's going to be Schmidt or Martinez. I feel like that's going to be a lot of pieces to move. And I don't think the organization is going to go do that just for one, just for one player. So and, go ahead, Eric. I was going to say for, for me, where it comes in is, is, as, as Carlos said, hey, that's a lot. But I look at it a different way. So I look at if you just – Flurry and Leonard just, just wipe them out because that's a one-for-one one deal. So, so now it comes down to a forward and a D-man for what additional forward you can go in and get replaced for who you're trading out along with Pe uh, Petro versus, I'd say, Martinez. So for me, I look at Marshy and Martinez out, and you get Petro in, and then you can go sign a – Galchenyuk, or you can go sign a Bobby Ryan, and you can get a lot of that production that Marshy provided, but you're going to have such a huge upgrade in defense that for me, for the next four years, it's an absolute no-brainer if those pieces can work out. And I think that's – I know what Carlos is saying, hey, Marshy scored 75 points his first year. He's a 60-point player. He's a almost 30-goal scorer. Like, you don't want to just throw him away. I get that. Martinez came in and had a great run. But I just think if you can go get a top three defenseman, to put with now your that new top four, if you have McNabb, uh, Petro, Shea, and Schmidt, either pairing in there, one of those two pairings is going to be a top three pairing in the league. So you have to do it. 
Yeah, fair points for sure. And, you know, talking about, you know, Vegas as a destination for players and free agents here, you know, we've uh, we've heard a lot about, you know, and for one, Vegas is a, you know, kind of a glamorous city in of itself. Um, but we've heard a lot about, you know, players that, you know, of a star caliber, like a Mark Stone, like, you know, like Pacioretty, even even Stastny signed there, um, you know, big ticket guys that go, that go to Vegas and they love it there. And they they appear there appears to be a lot of squad harmony Players don't want to leave Vegas, you know, from just from my, you know, uh, observation here. And I'm going to give this one to Dave because I noticed you've got, you know, Detroit Lions and then you've got Detroit Tigers stuff behind you. So I don't blame you as a Blues fan for not wanting to back the uh, Red Wings here. Um, you know, I will I will ne- I will not begrudge you that at all as a guy who had to endure Red Wings wrath for my childhood. Um, but I want to ask you, what is it about the Golden Knights that makes players not just want to stay, but seemingly play better? I think from the first year, it was the style of play. You know, everyone coming together, and they had a great time playing that, and they had a great time playing for each other, and they had a great time playing for the city, especially after what you mentioned earlier, uh, the shooting on October 1st. But that first year, that group of misfits uh, that, you know, everyone rejected and wanted to get rid of, and, you know, it, People may say, you know, like we've heard some other people say around media and other podcasts, (laughs) troll, um, um, say, like, you guys were gifted. I'm like, well, yeah, it was probably the best expansion rules ever. But thing is, they were all mostly deals made with GMs of other teams. So we got extra players for, you know, not drafting a certain – we could have gotten even better players, but the thing is they – that team chemistry those guys had was just tremendous. And it just, it, it brought in the community after October 1st, that chemistry and everyone fell in love with that, with that team. So, and people just think is like you said, Vegas is a very glamorous city too, but it's also a city that's, that is a large in size now, but it's also a small community where people can back each other up and get along with each other. And one of the most popular destination choices for Petrangelo this offseason has been Toronto. And, you know, because he's a Toronto kid and Toronto is always going to be in every rumor ever. Um, But, you know, there's also a thing, you know, some players maybe get a little bit overawed or overwhelmed by a team's tradition. Like Montreal has a deep history. Toronto has a deep history, things like that. So I'm going to go to Carlo on this one. Do you think maybe the newness of Vegas and the opportunity for these players to like say, hey, we're going to build our own legacy, we're going to own this. Do you think that's a factor into why players love for, uh, playing for Vegas so much? Um, I actually it, I actually never thought of that, but I don't think so. I think uh, me, uh, me, I really don't think so. I, I don't think that that's the case because – I think these ju- these guys just wants to play hockey. They can make their own history in the lore books of I don't know, like Minnesota or or like Vancouver or whatever. But I, I think what really the big sell is for Vegas is obviously the hookers and blow, right? I'm just I'm <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. I think, I think Hold on. go ahead, Carlo. Finish then. I'll, I'll I think uh, the biggest it's it's one of the biggest is the weather. A lot of people love the south. Uh, the south uh the southern market because let's uh a lot 80 percent of hockey players came like grew up in like cold weather yeah. from the north and it's really nice when you're playing 
in a city where during during hockey season they play in wintertime and you're when you're playing in Vegas it's like 80 degrees or uh, not 80 degrees like four like 40 degrees yeah you know 30 <laughs> degrees instead nice. of yeah, negative 30 yeah. yeah yeah instead of minus 20 yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah and, and it's really nice you can still go out you can still golf a lot of these guys golf you know, you can still golf in like December sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and a lot of these players love that, especially Vegas, because there's a lot of golf courses in Vegas, a lot of things you can do. And these guys like, uh, and, and as was Davis, it, it still feels like a small community unless you go to the strip. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I, I, that, to back that up, though, too, it's like, you know, I actually I grew up in Michigan. And then that's one of the main reasons why I moved here in 2006 is because of the weather. Yeah, that's fair, and that, and I'm, I'm, I honestly, I see myself living in Vegas at some point because I also do not like cold weather at all. I lived in North Dakota for a year, and that's all I could stand. And uh, they could just go home during summertime during exactly, yeah. exactly. And I, and and I gotta admit, you know, as a Blues fan, I was kind of rooting that it would be Vegas that would be moved to the Central and not Arizona. I know it wasn't likely, but I was rooting for it just simply because airfare into vegas is so cheap compared to phoenix you know so i was rooting for that because of those tasty road games although i know gold nice tickets are, are kind of a hard ticket to come by oh. so <laughs> yes so, so great point on that tom so to kind of touch on both what dave and carla were saying on on why here first of all you have a fan base that is absolutely bought in completely to the team so on brand new when the athletic put out there hey what stadiums are the best Vegas was top five when it comes to, to atmosphere and opposing team players come in and play and then say that Yeah. to touch your point on Tom players wanted to come here. Stasny. It's not only players that wanted to come here. It's players that wanted to stay. James Neal didn't want to leave. He wanted to sign. They did. They pulled that deal from him. Uh, Perron wanted to, to sign. He would have taken a huge hometown discount. It worked out well for Perron. He went to St. Louis, obviously won a cup. He can't begrudge it, but he loved being here for whatever reason, those, Players, once they get here, even Flurry, Flurry has come out and said, hey, I don't want to leave. I'm not asking for a trade. I think it goes to the ownership. The ownership is absolutely going to take care of the fans. The arena is fantastic. The practice arena is, is state-of-the-art. They all live within five miles of that practice arena. And there's no traffic. So the non-game day experience is a lot of the reasons why. It's a tight-knit community, as Dave was saying. So the team has a wealthy owner that is willing to – pay bonuses where a lot of other teams won't St. Louis. So that's a big talking point for Petro right now. Is yeah. St. Louis just has told him you're getting zero signing bonuses deal with it where Vegas, Hey, if he wants half of that money and a signing bonus late in his contract, Vegas will do that. So that's, that's a huge thing. There's a lot of things that Vegas has more than the, the built in ones. And also same thing with Tampa or Dallas, no state tax is also a big deal. So if he takes 7 million here versus 8 million in St. Louis, 7 million here is more. Yeah, I, the back of the community again, too, is like a lot of people who live here now are not originally from here. So we all have that kind of a experience together that we have. We can talk about, hey, you know, what was your experience like when you moved here? What was your experience when you moved? And it just spreads around. I, I coach high school basketball around here, too. And I would say about 90 percent of us, maybe 95 percent of all the coaches in this town, we all get along. And it's just that tight knit kind of community. I know there's a, reason, yeah. there, there's a reason that the hockey guy on YouTube has made multiple trips to Vegas for hangouts. You know, he, he's and, and that's and that and that's exactly it. The community atmosphere. Everyone seems to, you know, get along and really chip in together. It's kind of like it, it, Vegas really seems like a really big, small town. 
Yeah, it is absolutely that. And the fan base does not. The fan base isn't shitty towards opposing fans that come in. So, Tom, you come in for it. Yeah, you come in for Mm. for a game for St. Louis. You're wearing your Blues jersey. Nobody's going to throw something at you. Nobody's going to heckle you. It's just going to be, hey, enjoy the game as long as you're not a dick. They're not a dick. And and I think that's because, as Dave was saying, everybody's come from somewhere else. So it's the whole we get that. We don't want to be the Oakland Raider fans, essentially, even though we have the Raiders now. Oh, man. Uh, so, I mean, every market's going to have that one or two, you know, asshole that's around that's going to give you shit. Yeah. But you can't help that. I mean, it's just their nature. That's on them, not and, you. And we're a brewery town. So, you know, there's probably three or four assholes here in St. Louis, you know, just, you know, and, and it's everywhere, just like as you said. But is that I, where Reeves learned how to be a brewer? Uh, probably, probably, because not only do we have Anheuser-Busch, you know, as the former world headquarters, but also, you know, we're have like craft breweries popping up, seeming like popping up on every block. So I think he had a beer Uh, named after him in uh, St. Louis, but he never had his own brewery there. No, he didn't have his own brewery, but I know Center Ice Brewery had, uh, I think, like a couple beers named after him. Yeah, I think it's called like the Grim Reaver or something. Yeah, the Grim Uh, Reaver. That's it. The Grim Reaver. Exactly. Bush, I actually really enjoyed Bush Stadium a couple years ago when I was there. It, it, it was right after the Blues won the Cup. My favorite, actually, so not a couple years ago, last year. My favorite thing about Bush Stadium, having gone to the former Bush Stadium that was in there before, is you can actually catch a breeze in the new stadium. The old stadium yeah. was it was completely circular, circular enclosed, and the field for most of its life was astroturf. Um, so you basically in July and August, you know, if the, if the temperature was hundred degrees outside, it had to have been like 120 inside that stadium with like zero wind speed. It was just a nightmare, absolute nightmare. Um, but getting back on track here, you know, Eric, you mentioned, uh, David Perron a little while ago, and, uh, I think some blues fans, you know, while, while, you know, I, I don't think we're on like any other market that, you know, has, you know, pro and Vegas skies. A lot of Blues fans appreciate what uh, the Vegas experience did for David Perron's game because this is his third tour of duty in St. Louis. Of course, the Blues drafted him, then traded him to Edmonton, re-signed him, lost him in the expansion draft, and now he's back again. But during his time in Vegas, you know, it felt like he found that extra gear that we always in St. Louis knew he had. And a lot's been made kind of about the stick that uh, Jonathan Marcheseau let him use, the more flexible stick. Uh, but, you know, thinking back to David Perron's time in Vegas, you know, what do you think was that made him kind of come out of his shell a little bit? Uh, well, back to what I was saying earlier, uh, when they all got exposed, they all had this kind of this chip on their shoulder and they wanted to prove everybody wrong. I, I think it's that along with playing for Turk as much as I'm a pro Peter DeBoer guy. Turk for that first year was fantastic because he let the players play. So they had a chip on their shoulder. They came from another team that exposed them. If they made a mistake, they weren't worried about going and and being on the bench. As much as Reeves has talked about his time in St. Louis when Hitchcock was there, um, he wouldn't let him go out for a faceoff. I mean, he called a timeout to pull him off. I remember Reeves telling that story, and it was fucking hilarious. (laughs) But I think a lot of players played for those coaches that if you make a mistake, you're, you're just sitting right in the bench, whereas Turk was completely opposite of that. So he let players get into a groove, and for obviously then he got injured, and then they didn't extend him a contract, even though he's openly talked about how much he wanted to stay in Vegas. So I think... Blues fans have fallen more in love with him, and Vegas fans still love him because he is so open. He's yeah. just a real guy that says, look, I loved my time in Vegas. I would have loved to stay there. They didn't 
St. Louis was my second home and he went there. I think it's, to your point, Tom, amazing that St. Louis is the only team that he's ever signed contracts with, but he's played for yeah. like four or five different teams. It's amazing. Yeah, he legit loved, loves playing in St. Louis. And, you know, I've got to see him, you know, backstage after games, you know, in locker room scrums. And he's a hilarious guy. He is funny. He is open. He likes talking to the media. One of the few players I feel sure. that actually truly does. Um, and, you know, the, the see him kind of, as I said, come out of the shell a little bit is, is it was very nice to see because I wasn't a Perron fan particularly when he was with the Blues the first couple of times. I thought he was very inconsistent. He was a guy that, you know, he played with a bit of a chip on his shoulder and would get the dumb penalty, you know, seemingly every game, which he still kind of does, but that's, we can, we can tolerate it now. Um, but he just, he was such a different player when he came back, you know, on this third go around. And uh, I think a lot of Blues fans, have, you know, can appreciate the Vegas experience for that. Another player, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask, because uh, I don't follow the Blues as much. Uh, is, uh, how much did Perron play before he got exposed to the expansion draft? Like, was he uh, a lot of top six minutes? Oh, yeah. He was the top six okay. guy. He was, uh, you know, they, you know, he, he played. They drafted him in the first round. He was a late first round pick. And he made the team in his first in his rookie year. I mean, he, okay. he did not spend any time in the minors. He and he went right to I think, you know, he started off like in a third line role I think but then yeah he he was definitely like a second line left winger you know type for us and uh you know he was kind of the you know next coming of blues you know studs with TJ Oshie and Patrick Berglund <laughs> um you know not I'm not a Patrick Berglund fan I can go all day about him um but regardless you know yeah there was definitely you can see the talent with Perron um, it's just he had a tendency to drive Blues fans crazy. I think the biggest thing we're, we're missing on what flipped the switch for Perron, playing with Ryan O'Reilly. Most likely yeah, was the biggest yeah. thing out of all of it. Like, look, whatever he did in Vegas, if you go put him, put him with a world-class center, all of a sudden that plays his same style. That four check, they are just a motherfucker to play against. That line just – you saw it in the playoffs. I mean, they're fantastic. Who to did, be who, fair – to be fair with David Perron, he did start his Vegas career centered by Cody Eakin. So, <laughs> <laughs> who, who did you know, he, players we don't like? Who did he eventually end up with in Vegas? Eric Hall. Was, was Eric Hall okay. Neal. It was Perron Hall Neal. Okay, that they, was a they, step up. Yeah, they were they were uh, the first line for the like, first half of the uh, for the uh, of the uh, season, and then the Carlson Marcheseau Smith line. Just became incredible and it yeah. became our first line. Yeah. Yeah, great but line. That, that that line after that first year, McPhee came out and said, You can't have a second line that's gonna be negative sixty for a year. Like and they, <laughs> they got outscored all the I mean, they just gave yeah. up way too Yeah, they goals. gave up a lot. They gave up per, they were not Perron was a good he was the only one on that on that line that was semi good in the four check and defensively, whereas wait, Neil and and Hala were just not. I wait, you're telling me Neil doesn't play defense? Yeah, there's a reason why <laughs> all he does he is score. Not, I thought it was the real deal. <laughs> I still got a shirt that says that. <laughs> and I actually, I, I have a James Neal jersey just because uh, it was like the first cheap, authentic Vegas jersey that was available. Because, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I, have, I have that jersey too for the, uh, I have a Stanley Cup patch on. I have it because he actually was good that playoff run. I mean, just uh, <laughs> just stick the name out and replace it with Krebs. You won't regret it. <laughs> Definitely. And, you know, and it's funny you mentioned that that line being like a minus 60, you know, a lot's been made here in St. Louis about Robbie Fabry, 
how he kind of took off in Detroit after he got traded from St. Louis. And you look at his, you know, basic stats, games played, 52, uh, 14 goals, 17 assists, 31 points. Good numbers, right? Uh, plus minus minus 29. Um, so that, <laughs> that's, that's, that's on Detroit. Detroit that's, everybody's a plus or everybody's a minus. Yeah, 30. but yeah. But Fabry was never a real, you know, Ford checker either. And that's, I think that's why he ended up moving on just because, you know, Ruby don't play that. Ruby yeah. don't play that. Um, now, speaking of, you know, what we're continuing the, this march of former Blues players here, you recently had Ryan Reeves' brother on Jordan Reeves um, for a, a pretty good conversation about, you know, just the main topic was obviously about the, you know, uh, stand against racial injustice that his brother did and just the problems with systemic racism in our society. Uh, which at the time, you know, was at the headlines of, you know, just about everything. And it's still, you know, a lot of ways is. Uh, but you also got a chance to talk uh, to uh, Jordan about uh, uh, Ryan Reeves in the bubble and how they connected. And also, Blues fans, did you know that Ryan Reeves is a gamer? Let's go ahead and play a clip from that. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, you know, before my brother had his kids, uh, you know, we talked every day. We'd game almost every day together. And, you know, those kids, they slow down life a little bit for you. So, you know, we don't we don't talk as much. You know, we still talk every week, but, you know, it's not every day for hours. It's not, you know, we're not gaming every day, every other day for hours anymore. So, uh, honestly, when he's been in the bubble, we've, we've been talking a lot more. And, you know, I've been I've been gaming with all the boys. You know, Schmitty's on there. Uh, Riley's on there. We got who we got. We got Leonard on there. We got Tuck's on there. Whitey's on there. So, you know, we got we got the Gold Knight squad going hard out there. Who's a better player, though? You or uh, your, you or your brother? I'm, I'm gonna say me. I'm for sure. Not <laughs> saying me. I, I would. Ho I would hope. But like you know, it, it's it's depending on which game. You know, some some guys yeah. come in and have a trash game. Some guys come out, put down ten kills right away. It's, so you know, we we have our games, but it, it's just fun. You know, uh, hearing them talk about the bubble and you know talking to them about what's going on and just kind of escaping their hockey and just you know playing Call of Duty and whatever. I love that the brothers have a competitive rivalry and Jordan thinks that he's a better gamer, which he's got a point on because uh, when you become an adult, you do get less time to play video games. And when you finally step onto the Fortnite field, if you will, you get absolutely obliterated by 12-year-olds who have nothing better to do with their lives. So he's got a point there. Also, um, go also, ahead. Also, I want to put out that I, I don't know if you heard me ask the question. I almost call, ask him. Who you are Reeves, and I realized, wait, they're both Reeves. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that photo, they're actually wearing each other's jerseys. Yeah. So you know, that's I didn't I didn't realize Jordan was that tall. That's uh, yeah. yeah, he looks like yeah, I didn't realize either. Tall. He's a yeah. defensive end, so I can, yeah. yeah, yeah, you can see that. Yeah, you can understand that he plays up in the uh, CFL, uh, CFL, mm -hmm. and you talked about that a little bit as well. But getting back to the main reason you had him on, and I'll go to Carlo on this one here. Uh, whenever Ryan Reeves, you know, stood up, you know, with the players behind him and, you know, talked about systemic racism and how, you know, things need to change. What was the reaction like in Vegas to that? I think most of them are proud. Of course, there's also there's always the every uh, those assholes or, you know, the I, I don't want to say, you, you know what I mean? There are those who were like, you, they were like, yeah, they were like, hey, like. We don't want to support you anymore, blah, blah, blah. There are those minorities, a very loud one. But I think like 90% of people were so proud of Ryan for that. And a lot of people kind of like want came out and say, like, I'm going to buy a Reeves jersey now. I want to go get 
this guy is one of my favorite players now. A lot of people, like, a lot of people already loved him because the way he plays, because you guys would know that if if you're not playing, uh, if Ryan Reese is not on your team, you hate him. But once he's in your team, you freaking love the guy. And that that what he did really reinforces that for a lot of people. And there's even like people because I, I really go I go and read it a lot and see a lot of other fan bases reaction. A lot of people's like, man, I hate him on the ice, but I kind of really like him now. It, it was <laughs> such a positive reaction overall, I think. Yeah, and Dave, you uh, obviously from Michigan, supporter of Detroit sports. I mean, a city that's had its own, you know, issues with uh, with race over the years. I mean, um, you know, talking we, we talked about the Vegas effect, but I mean, like, let's take a look at like the more you know nationwide effect. I mean, do you think it made an impact? Oh, I think it did. I mean, to go off kind of what Carlos said, other people buying his jersey and whatnot. We actually got a couple uh, S word fans to want to buy the Ryan Reeves jersey, his Vegas jersey as well, too. So, But the, the more national effect there, too, I mean, like Carlo was saying, you're still going to have the detractors. You're still going to have the people who believe exactly what they believe and let them, you know, they're going to live in their ignorance. But they still, I think it definitely opened up some eyes, and especially where they have the two-day pause there. And, yeah, there were people out there upset. Well, I just want to see their games. They just shut up and play. Well, you got to think about it. You just can't tell these guys to shut up and play because they're in a position to use their voice and use that voice for positive uh, enforcement. You don't hear anybody telling Tony D'Angelo to shut up and play. Yeah, definitely. That and you know, it's and another thing. These people are still human beings, and you know, last I checked, slavery was outlawed. You know, a long time ago. You know, so you can't tell them to you know just stick to sports. You know, that's you don't own these players. Yeah, exactly. These guys are you like it's freedom of speech. Like they they can just because they're athletes doesn't yeah, mean they're not humans. They have the same rights as we do of freedom of speech. They can talk in social yeah. media. They can they can do their vlogs or whatever. But these yeah. guys have the right to do that also. Absolutely. And the people who, you know, it's like, well, I can't protest on my work. I can't just sit down at work either. I'm like, well, no, yeah, you kind of can't. But you're not, no offense to those people, you're not in a position to use your voice <laughs> yeah, exactly. as well as people who are athletes, who are yeah. famous, who can have yeah. their voice get out there a lot better than, like, I could. You're not. In a, they're not in a public figure. You know, they're not a public figure. And uh, say, same thing with people who are like Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or whatever. They can use their voice to do that too, and they do. And nobody's t- telling them like, "Hey, stick to Microsoft or something, or yeah. stick with Amazon." You know uh, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Stick I can use my voice for t- during teaching, but <laughs> even that can only go so far. Yeah, it absolutely, and 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 I I applaud I applauded Ryan Reeves when he did that. It was a powerful statement to do, and um you know and it, and and I and I really enjoyed your episode with Jordan Reeves, and that's episode number sixty six of the weekly nightly podcast. You can find it in the same place you find Blue Notes. I highly recommend you listen to that episode, if nothing else, just for the Jordan Reeves part because. Um, it is a very is a very good conversation. It's a you know it, it's lighthearted at times, but also very serious. But it, it you know a lot was covered when it comes to uh, what uh, just the Reeves is dealt with, but also uh, what Black people in America deal with as well. So check that out for sure. It's, yeah, it ended up to be uh, being one of our longest ep- uh, our longest episode ever. Yeah, the conversation the- was like we didn't expect it to be that long. Now, but well worth it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, a lot of us here in St. Louis, we we miss Ryan Reeves a lot here. You know, we we don't 
regret the trade that got him out of St. Louis because we we ended up we ended up get we ended up just absolutely hosing Pittsburgh badly. We got Oscar Sundquist and Clem Costin. I mean, what the hell? Um, but we miss him because he was very popular in the locker room. He was a great teammate. And he really endeared himself to the fan base a lot because he's just a he's a charismatic, fun guy. And of course, you know, Blues fans have had a tradition of enforcers over the years that they look up to. Tony, I grew up with Tony Twist and Kelly, Kelly Chase. Chase. Yes, and uh, you know, the likes of Darren Kimball. Uh, you know, it, for the older fans, you know, they had Brian Sutter and they had uh, Bob Gasoff. Just you know, we're going really deep in the weeds. But we, we, we admired Reeves a lot because he was a tough guy. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to give this one to Eric here. Um, of course, he may not be an offensive wonder kid, but just what has Ryan Reeves meant to the Vegas organization? Well, I mean, you see it. The uh, McPhee, I still consider him the GM. I get that Kelly McCrim is the GM, but I still think McPhee makes most of the moves. So McPhee played in the league, right? He was a Hobie Baker winner. I mean, he, he knows what the, the league needs. They went out and got him, yeah, in a deal that they were taking on salary for Broussard and they didn't have to give anything up. They signed him to a deal, and they've now extended him as well. So now they realize the old saying is keep the flies off the honey, right? But he does bring that level of physicality and the level of intimidation that will protect your star players, right? Nobody's going to go out and take liberties against Mark Stone because they understand Ryan Reeves is coming right behind him. They're just not going to do that. Um he had more goals last year. Um, he showed a little bit more offensive prowess, but he it's really just, like you said, the locker room guy. He's going to be a fan favorite. He's still going to make mistakes, and he's still going to give up goals, unfortunately, but he brings just energy, I think, would be his biggest thing. That's what he can turn, and that's why DeBoer has started him. If he's been in the lineup, Pete DeBoer has started him every single game to help just get that team over the hump. So I think the biggest thing is energy is what he's brought. Yeah. Did, did, did either of you, uh, Carlo or Dave, expect this kind of impact from Ryan when you got him? <laughs> no. Because no. I remember I remember uh, when we got him. Because speaking of like you guys really just got a first-round pick for him. I remember when we got him, we literally pretty much got him for free. We got him to launder money for the Broussard <laughs> trade yep. to go to Pittsburgh. It was like a three-way deal where yeah. they, yep. like Broussard came to us, took some of his contract, and we got Reeves in return or something like that. And yeah. uh, I think we got also got a fourth-round pick from it, right? Or yes, Peter Debilitori, yeah, yeah. who will actually be an NHL player, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and – when I remember here's his first game, it was against the, the LA Kings. And he, I feel like Reeves wanted to show what he can do for the team. And he, he had like what four penalties that game and like a, a, uh, a five, I think he had a five minute major, I think, right? Or something. Not a major, but he had a fighting. I don't think he had a yeah, major. He had a fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, was, yeah. he was running all over the ice. He was yeah. hitting everybody. He was just trying to say, yeah. hey guys, I'm here. Here's why you guys got me. And then obviously that didn't work, and then oh my, he completely yeah. figured it out. I remember yeah, I, the backlash after that game. Everyone was like, "Why did we trade for this guy? Like, <laughs> just like we trade, we got him for free. Why are we playing him? Blah blah blah." Now everybody freaking loves him, man. Yeah, it's I remember ridiculous. Those penalties actually led the power play goals in that game, so there was a lot of backlash. But as as the team evolved throughout the rest of that year, 
he, he started fitting in more. He knew his role. And then obviously when he got the uh, game winning goal against Winnipeg in game five in the Western Conference finals, I think it might have just really stamped. Yeah, Ryan Ryan Reeves is more serious winning goals than Connor McDavid. So take that, (laughs) Connor McDavid. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned how Reeves kind of made an interesting first impression in Vegas and not a particularly good one. Uh, I have a hockey jersey collection. I have at least one jersey for every NHL team plus some defunct ones. I think I have like 90 in total. I was going to ask you what one you're wearing today. I have a problem. Well, it's funny you ask that because it is a Team Canada Alex Petrangelo. It is a uh, number twenty-seven. I had customized, and um, but back, you know, back to Reeves. Um, right after he was traded to Vegas, um, I went on CoolHockey.com. Cheap plug, and this is actually a true story. I did buy this jersey from Cool Hockey. They were running a sale on uh, on jerseys, uh, and I was able to get a Vegas Fanatics jersey, which you know, Fanatics aren't as great as the Authentics, but they're you know, I mean, in some in many cases they're passable, and Vegas has a passable Fanatics jersey. And I had them made it make into a made into a Ryan Reeves, and uh, it's one of my favorite jerseys I have now. It's, they they did a good job customizing it. But I remember when I got it, and you know I used to you know mess around on the uh, hockey jersey subreddit, and I'm like I got my customized Ryan Reeves Vegas jersey, probably the first in the world. And people were like, why did you why 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 did you get a Ryan Reeves jersey? That that's <laughs> like you know seriously like why did you get a jersey of like the Water Boy or something instead? You know. <laughs> that, that that was the kind of reaction that I got, and now it's like over time, you know, Reeves has really endeared himself, and I I wear that thing proudly now. It, it's feel- probably a top five jersey for Vegas now. I mean, I yeah. think your big ones are Flurry and Carlson and Marshy, but I think he's probably and Stoner. Up there. Don't forget Stoner because I see a lot of Stoner jerseys. Stoner, 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 Stoner after our playoff run. Yeah, I do. Speaking of Jay Theodore, speaking of Theodore in jerseys, though, because if we do get Petriangelo, what number? Know, I ask you that, what number he's going to wear? Because he can't get take twenty seven. Because mm. Theodore is wearing that. I think well, seventy two. You know, but here's the thing: Petriangelo is going to have enough money to where he's probably going to go to Shea Theodore mm, with a blank check. No, no. you don't Shea think Theodore, so? Because Shea Theodore has established himself in this team already. He's he. Yeah, he's not a rookie. Yeah. It's not a rookie. He's, he's not a rookie, man. Years. He just mm. sixth in the uh, in Norris voting. I don't think he's, he's getting it for him. Yeah, you can't get. You can get seven if we don't re-sign Valentin Zikov. You can't get two because that's White Cloud unless he pays well, for. Yeah, White he Cloud. could probably pay well, White, White Cloud. Shay Theodore is already one of our stars. He's one. Of, like, he's probably our second best player next to Stone. Okay, question: Who wears number ten for Vegas? Nikwa. Who? Nikwa. Nikwa. Okay, uh, because that was Petrangelo's junior number when he played with the Niagara Ice Dogs. He could probably he could probably that off a while. Okay, yeah. so 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 get your Petrangelo number 10 jerseys uh, ordered but, at coolhockey.com. But cuz I, I just started wondering that. I was like, yeah, no, he's going to it's not going to take it from Theodore. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we had a group text about that one day. Yeah. And by and by the way, don't actually take my advice in getting a Petrangelo 10 jersey before he signs because <laughs> I, I I remember I got a Rasmus Dahlin uh, jersey customized uh, from the Buffalo Sabres, and I went by the number that he had in Sweden, which was number eight. Uh, guess what? He didn't choose 27. eight. He didn't choose eight when he... 26. He's 26. Oh, 26. Okay. Yeah, Dahlin took 26. So now I have a Rasmus Dahlin number eight jersey that is um, looks weird because he doesn't wear eight. So, anyway. I'm not that I'm mad about that or anything. Um, 
final question. So uh, another former blue uh, that you guys have on your team, maybe a little less heralded than Ryan Reeves, Paul Stastny. Uh, Stastny was a, a native St. Louis and his uh, father settled in St. Louis after his career was done, uh, played for the blues for a year, actually at the twilight of his career. And uh, so Paul, you know, there was always a, kind of a clamoring, you know, when Paul was doing his rise in Colorado for him to come home to St. Louis, because we really love our natives here and uh, native hockey players. I mean, and also native Americans too. And, <laughs> Um, you know, and so Stassi makes this, he signs as a free agent. He's going to be the answer to our number one center question for, you know, that we've had since probably, probably Pierre Turgeon, to be quite honest yeah. with you. I don't think Doug Waite was really ever a true number one. Um, so he kind of disappointed a little bit. He didn't play bad, but he kind of was a disappointment. And, uh, he goes on to Winnipeg in a trade that ends up in Vegas. So I'll go with, uh, I'll go to, uh, Dave on this one. Uh, how do how do Vegas fans feel about Paul Stastny? Good <laughs> well, thing you didn't go to Carlo. Thank God you didn't go to Carlo. <laughs> All right, Carlo, yeah. you're next. Carlo, you're no, next. No, don't go to Carlo. <laughs> We're going to Carlo <laughs> after this. We, we Eric already hates, know what he's going to say. Eric, but, uh, hates me you know what? Me. You okay? Okay, Dave, 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 hold on a sec. Hold on a sec, Carlo. Paul Stastny. <laughs> okay, so Paul Stastny is the biggest contention, and uh, out of all four, is because of me, because I think he is our number one guy that we should move forward wise yeah they disagree obviously but i think it just makes sense because i think he had a i don't think he had a really good year he had a bad year i think i don't think he had a good playoffs either his last year of his contract and he is uh 35 36 he's getting up there yeah he's getting up there i think it just makes total sense that we have cody glass waiting under the wings to take his place and i think it just makes total sense for me it's a 6.5 million dollar cap We've moved that. We have a lot of room, a lot more wiggle room, and that is. And then I know Eric hates that opinion for for uh, hates that opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, Paul Stastny <laughs> underwhelming a fan base. Shocker, St. Louis Blues fans. Eric, uh, I mean, I mean, he was great the first season. I, he was one of our best players, but this season, not very good. All right, Eric, retort. Okay, so there's two things. First of all, let me just touch. I am probably out of. All the Vegas people out there that, that, that talk about it, that, that are active, I am probably the largest Cody Glass fan there is. I have Whoa, stood behind him. Do not up. trade him. I am, do I am not a ever do Cody anything. Glass fan than you are, Stop for one second. He is coming off back-to-back years where he missed the majority of the season due to a knee injury. You cannot go into a year where you think you are a cup contender with him as your second or first-line center. It just does not work. So there's, that's number one. You can't move Stasny because your depth is atrocious behind it. If you move Stasny and you lost Carlson just for even 10 games, those 10 games, you're telling me you're going to run out centers of Cody Glass, Nick Waugh. Stop. He'll be in the WHL. (laughs) Um, uh, Chandler Stevenson, Cousins, if you re-sign Nosek. I mean, that's the worst center depth in the league if you move Stasny. You cannot move Stasny. That's why you sign sign a center when you free up space. Number two, stop. Okay, because okay, how many centers are out there? You tell me what center you can go out there and sign. Ah, he's not. He's a he's a winger. Next, there's not another one. Okay, cool. He is not a center. (laughs) Next. Okay, so the (laughs) other thing, just because he's played it once in his career does not mean he's a center. I don't think you understand concepts like that. Okay, so the other point 
Stasny did not have a down year. He didn't have a great playoffs, but he didn't have a down year. He actually had more goals this year than he had in previous years. I think he's fantastic. He's exactly what Vegas needs because he can come in and usher that next person, which is Cody Glass. If Cody Glass can come in, learn a year beneath him, whether Cody Glass is playing higher in the lineup or not, he's still going to get a lot from being around Paul Stasny at the practice rink on game days. He's going to learn a lot from him. You can't move Stasny. I actually love Stasny. I think out of all the players, if I could be locked in a room and talk to somebody, he would be it. He is probably the smartest hockey mind out there. He doesn't watch film because he remembers it all. I mean, he's fucking fascinating when it comes to a hockey mind. I want to to be able to talk to him more than any other player on this team for sure. All right, Weekly Nightly listeners, start your Eric Simonist, Paul Stastny, stuck in an elevator fan fiction right now. <laughs> okay. Can I, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I read you Stastny's stats this season? Go for it. 71 games, 17 goals, 21 assists, 38 points. Meh. Very meh. Yeah, exactly. And that that's six, that's six point five million dollars a meh, and I and that, I'm that's not six point five million dollar center worthy. No. All right. So we've heard the case for Paul Stastny. We've heard the case against Paul Stastny. Dave, where do you stand on Paul Stastny? Uh, are you going to be the man of uh, rationality here? Well, me, I would. Since I've been around the game for so long, anyway, because I mean, I'll hate to bring the name because you absolutely hate this guy, but I've been watching hockey since '83, Eiserman's rookie year. But um, so I, I nothing would surprise me. Nothing would surprise me whatsoever. But I, I'm going to echo Eric's statement about center depth. And, you know, yeah, he didn't, he didn't have the greatest year, in my opinion, either. But that experience of helping out with Cody Glass coming up next year. Uh, and I think he, he's by far, I think, our best faceoff man. And I know there's some people out there that think oh, faceoffs are over. We got, you know, somebody in this town here that, Echoes, echoes that who cares about faceoffs? I'm like, well, I'd rather have the puck than go out and chase it. And he he is our most consistent faceoff man. And I think that's a little bit underrated. Now, could he get some more points? Yes. I there's times when I think he should shoot more instead of looking for the perfect pass. But I don't want to get rid of him. All right. All right. Any, any retorts? No. I've said my piece. All right. All right. You said you said your piece and you've counted to three. All right. Uh Carlo, Eric, Dave, wonderful chat. Weekly, nightly podcast. I got it right this time. Uh hopefully you guys get Petrangelo right sometime too. Um, where can we find you guys and uh what you got planned for Monday? Uh okay, you can good. oh, you can find me at uh at some dude eighty eight s u m d o o d on Twitter, uh, and our Vegas nightly it, on Twitter we are Vegas nightly at Vegas nightly with a K. That's where I got confused. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Uh, we just what do we have? So on Monday we just recorded yesterday. So hopefully nothing big happens today. Otherwise we're gonna sound like fucking idiots. <laughs> um, but we just recorded talking about the cases, kind of like we already talked about uh, with you as well, Tom, um, for and against. Uh, trying to sign Petro or anybody else, uh, what moves can happen. And just a little bit of off-season talk. That's kind of what we're into right now. Um, and then next week we're going to try to have a special guest on to talk about the draft before the draft happens. But I think for all the NHL teams, buckle up because the next two weeks are going to be a lot of fun. Holy cow, breaking news. Mark andre Fleury traded to the Calgary Flames. Thank God. Oh, my God. Awesome. No, no, I'm kidding. Awesome. Did, we get, did we get anything? What did we get? Yeah, uh, I would you, love that. Uh, 
Yeah, you got, you got yeah a couple hockey sticks and a uh, water boy Goudreau, game later. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, that's our, that's our center right there. Oh no, he's a winger. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Although I do think Calgary might be a destination for Flurry, but you guys can talk about that. Um, so. Dave? Colorado makes more sense. All right. Uh, my Twitter personal one is that Aikman CMU. Uh, with our podcast, we always like to end it with what we call the five minute major off the what happened last year against you know that team <laughs> and we bring up four points of nhl news around the league so but that's how we always end it and then we try to end it with a laugh most of the time you know unless you know we're in bad moves after you know getting eliminated like we were two weeks ago but I'll yeah we always here. try to have a little bit of fun to pick on each other and whatnot as well too all right very good and uh, like i said it, it, I, I swear i i had i don't have a bible in front of me but i would put it my hand on it and i would say you are one of the you know weekly hockey podcast network podcasts i listen to, listen to one of the few so good stuff guys good stuff guys and that's going to do it for this episode of blue notes i want to thank you for listening because without you there is no me there is no wags there is no weekly nightly and there is no hockey podcast network i'm tom franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.